to wife. They've been so good to us, taking us out every day for lunch or late breakfast, whatever you want to call it, and, and they've just been fellowshipping with us and taking us today to see Keith and Nita. Is that the name right? That was a highlight of this trip, to see that man sit there with the grace of God upon him, some smiling. Of course, he shed a lot of tears, but I think some of them are just tears of joy. He, he said, I can't wait to get to heaven. And uh, we just had a wonderful time there. Now, I figured out one reason why people don't sit on the front row. There's no songbooks there. I was looking around. I'm, I wasn't too sure of that last song, and I was looking everywhere. I couldn't find a songbook. I see there's none here. You know, it's kind of funny, but we, we raised four children, Jonathan, Samuel, Charity, and Gabe, Gabriel. And uh, we, we would sit. I, w I was at the Sugar Grove Baptist Church. That sounds like a sweet place, doesn't it? Sugar Grove. And I was assistant pastor there for over 20 years. And I ran the Christian school. We had a, an ACE Christian school. And we, uh, we had some great days there, I'm telling you. And, but when we, when we would go to church, we would sit on the front row, even with these smaller children. I guess when they were babies, you'd sit near the back, wouldn't you? You know, in case they started crying or something, or needed discipline or something. But uh, we'd sit, when they got old enough, you know, which three or four years old, old enough to sit up and listen, we'd sit on the front row. And I had a rule, I, I guess, you know, you, you hear about cruel and unusual punishment. I, I, I look back now. On, on my younger days, you know, if one thing I need, I probably needed more mercy in the Christian school and in my raising my family. But uh, we sat on the front row, and here was my rule. That if one of them fell asleep during the service, they had to stand up. They had to stand up in their seat. And so, boy, that just embarrassed them to the point of death almost. You know, even though they were only this tall, you know, to have to stand up, that woke them up. They didn't go back to sleep. And that might have been cruel, you know, that, that just might have been cruel. But, uh, you know, I thank God today. I, I really was uh, a disciplinarian. I, I really was. You know, I, I believed with all my heart, you tell a child to do something one time, that's enough. That's enough. Delayed obedience is disobedience. I, I believe that. And, of course, there we had the ACE Christian School, which was built on discipline, a lot of people don't realize it, but ACE was started and run by Marines. Dr. Howard was a Marine, and a man, he surrounded himself uh, with Marines. <laughs> so you better believe they had discipline built in to the ACE curriculum. And I may have, I may have gone overboard, I, I don't know, but, but you know, I, I was pretty rough. I, I didn't spare the rod when they were growing up. Now today you say that, and you know, you may have people coming after you, trying to arrest you, uh, call it child abuse. But I, I really believe that if you don't discipline a child, that's child abuse. I mean, you, they're going to wind up in prison someday. They're going to meet up with somebody who will have to discipline them if parents don't. But, you know, I thank God for this. I, I, I disciplined, but, but I, I loved them. And uh, I, I showed them love whenever I'd administer a... a, a a whipping, you know, a, whatever you call it, a paddling or a, uh, but anyway, 
whether it be a switch or, or whatever it was, we would always show love to them, you know. After, after that, it's paid for. You don't bring it up again. And then we would hug and, of course, always made them un make sure they understood what they did wrong. But, you know, today now I've got a son, 41. 41. I've got another son right behind him coming up at 38. I've got another a daughter now. She's coming in about 35, right? And then I've got Gabriel. He's 32 now. Is that right? And you know what? Every time I talk to my children, every time, without fail, they always say, Dad, I love you. Dad, I love you. I mean, without fail. Sometimes more than once in a conversation. So, you know, to me, that kind of explodes this theory of not disciplining your children. Because I'll tell you, they need it. And if you do it right, I believe if they don't appreciate it then, they will someday. And I thank God for my children tonight. Thank God for my dear wife. What a wonderful mother she has been through the years. Well, I'm preaching tonight. I've been preaching on the fruit of the Spirit. Ever since Wednesday night, we've been in Galatians chapter 5, so I think we ought to go there one more time. I'll probably change courses tomorrow on the Lord's Day. And I've got a Sunday school lesson tomorrow. We're going to have the teenagers uh, in here with the adults. And I've got a Sunday school lesson that I've been bringing uh, just in different churches, especially if I have some teenagers present. It's good for adults, but it's also good for the teenagers. And I'll be bringing that on the four little creatures in the book of Proverbs that God says they are not just wise, they are exceeding wise. The ants and the conies and the locusts and the spiders. And I'll be bringing a, a lesson on those tomorrow. And you say, what's a cony? You've got to come tomorrow and find out what a cony is. And uh, I'll tell you tomorrow. But I ho hope you'll come for Sunday school. And then in the morning service, the Lord may change my mind, but... But there's a message I've said before. If I could preach a message to the whole world, if I could preach a message to all of America, somehow, you know, and everybody would hear it, it might be the message I'd preach in the morning called Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And uh, out of the book of John, John chapter 1, we'll start there tomorrow. But, and the Lord may change my mind, but I think this will be my last message on the fruit of the Spirit but one more time, let's look at Galatians 5 and verse number 22, and let's stand together as we read just two verses in the Bible. You should be able to quote these by now. We've been here every night, uh, and a lot of the, the fruit of the Spirit I won't be able to get to, maybe just by mentioning, but uh, verse number 22, let's read it out loud together. Ready? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Wow. How would you like to live with somebody like that? Amen. How would you like to live with, you ladies, how would you like to have a husband like that? Full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of long-suffering, patient man, full of goodness and gentleness, a real gentleman. And uh, husbands, how would you like to live with a wife like that? 
this guy is sharp. I'm telling you, he's sharp. He's smarter than the average bear. I'm telling you, I was just getting ready to go there, brother, and you beat me to the punch. God bless you, Miss Dana. Miss Dana's back there. And uh, are you what? <laughs> are, you the, are you the security team tonight back there? You got your, you're packing? All right. But uh, thank God for a husband that, that can live with a, a lady like that. And I certainly do. I, I really do. And I know why. It's no accident that my wife really has these traits. I do believe my wife is a spirit-filled lady. But every morning, I mean every morning, my wife was somewhere meeting with God, somewhere praying, somewhere reading the Bible. If she's not reading the Bible, she's having somebody read the Bible to her, a man named Alexander Scorby. You know, you can get the Bible if you've got an iPhone. Uh, you can get an app, and Alexander Scorby will read. If you don't have an iPhone, you can buy an iBible, about $60, about this size. Hit a button, there's Alexander Scorby reading the King James Bible to you. And I listen to it a lot while I'm going down the road. But that's the reason why I, I really believe I live with a lady who is full of love and full of joy and full of peace. And you know, my wife is going through a really hard time right now. Her mother's 86, lives in Kentucky. Her dad went to heaven in December. My mom and dad are in heaven. But her mother's very feeble, very, very feeble. Matter of fact, if you could picture the most feeble person that, uh, that you can think of who is still on their feet walking with a walker, but I mean just, just one little step at a time. It takes so long to get even to the table or the restroom. And so we go there every week, and you know my wife is watching her fade away little by little by little, and, but trying to make her, her last years or what, months or whatever as pleasant as we can, trying to keep her in her own home, don't want her to go to a nursing home. Want to keep her in her home. We have caregivers who help us. But my wife's got a lot on her. But you know, she's still got joy. And she's still got peace. And she's just a blessing to live with. Well, let's go to the Lord. I'll let you be seated. You've been standing up a while. And we've got a dear lady down here. I haven't learned everybody's name yet. She's over 100 years old. Over 100. And uh, she's been here every night of this revival. Every night she's been here. Of course, her dear daughter bringing her and her husband bringing her, make sure she got here. But I say thank God. Even this dear lady over 100, she gets around better than my, my mother-in-law does. <laughs> but I appreciate her coming. I, I just feel honored. I really do um, that she would come here every night. And all of you, some, many of you have been here every service, and it just means a lot to us to see you here. Somebody came in tonight and said, now you know you're competing with a Trump rally. There's a Trump rally going on somewhere and they're televising it. And uh, some people may stay home and watch Donald Trump. Well, all I can say, I'd rather be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the precious word of God. We thank you, Lord, for the fruit of the Spirit. And dear Lord, I pray that if, if nobody remembers anything about this meeting, Lord, that they would always remember this fruit of the Spirit and, and how as children of God we should, we should have this fruit of the Spirit. We should have this fruit flowing out of our lives. And the only reason why we would not have this fruit of the Spirit is because we have grieved the Holy Spirit or we have quenched the Holy Spirit. 
And I pray, dear God, that none of us would be guilty of that. And I pray, dear Lord, that we'd realize that the key to being filled with the Spirit is not by begging and begging and begging, give me more of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to realize we won't get any more of the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He lives in us. He's God. What we must do is give Him all of us, all of us, surrender. And Lord, that's not easy. It's so easy to say it, but it's not easy to do it, to surrender all. We sing the song, I surrender all. Lord, you know we do. And I wonder while we sing that song, dear Lord, if you look down upon us and you say, yeah, you're singing the words, but it's, it's just not accurate. It's not real. It's not true. You really haven't surrendered all. And dear God, if that be the case, I pray this would be the night that, that we would surrender all to you and, and know this fullness of love and fullness of joy and fullness of peace, the peace of God that passes understanding. I ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Now tonight, don't let the amens die out on me. I need some amens up here. Preachers feel so alone sometimes. Boy, when you're up here and you throw out a truth, you know, and nobody, uh, nobody acknowledges anything at all. And I, I know you shouldn't depend on, on the people. You know, God told Jeremiah, don't look at their faces. <laughs> he said, you just tell the truth. You just preach the word and let the chips fall where they may. But tonight I want to preach about peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Number three, peace, peace. And I want to just uh, read a few verses. I don't want you to turn there. But these are just some verses that I wrote down today about the peace of God, promises God makes about the peace of God. I won't even give a reference. I'm just going to read down through. Some are in Psalms, some in Isaiah, some in the New Testament. But just, just a little capsule form of just, I mean, this is just a fraction of what God has to say about peace in the Bible. You'll find the word 429 times in your King James Bible. Now, you won't find it that many in the NIV because many of those words have been taken out. Entire verses have been taken out. But in our King James Bible, which is the Word of God, preserved for the English-speaking people, uh, we find this. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. The Lord will bless His people with peace. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Hey, boy, that's a good verse. Amen. Nothing shall offend them. If you're easily offended tonight, you're giving yourself away. If you're easily offended, you must not love the Word of God like you should because it says nothing shall offend them. And then Proverbs has so many promises for those who get wisdom. If you get the wisdom of God, peace will come along with it. Amen. Thou wilt, Isaiah said, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Oh, that thou hast hearkened to my commandments. God spoke through Isaiah, said to the Israelites, Oh, if you'd only listened to my commandments. He said, Then had thy peace been as a river. Oh, you could have had that peace flowing through your soul if you'd only obeyed my commandments. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you'll never have the peace of God until you have peace with God. 
Amen. You say, how, how, do I have, how do I have peace with God? You meet Jesus Christ. You trust Jesus Christ and believe on Him and trust Him as your Savior and receive Him as your Savior. And my friend, that, that gives you peace with God because He is the mediator. He's the one who died and paid for our sins. And we can have that peace with God, peace of God. The Bible says in Ephesians, for He is our peace. And it says in Colossians, He made peace through the blood of His cross. Just a few verses in the Bible about the peace of God. Now I'd like for you to turn to Philippians, if you will. We're in that neighborhood. Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians. How many of you, don't, don't raise your hand now, don't raise your hand. Don't want anybody to, uh, to brag on yourself, but how many of you still memorize the Bible? Where do we ever get the idea that memorizing the Bible is just for kids? Or it's just for teenagers? Or it's just for those in a Christian school? My friend, we all ought to be memorizing the Bible. We ought to be meditating on the Word of God and memorizing the Word of God about three years ago, I had an idea. It was January. I was starting in a brand new year of reading my Bible. I want to read through the Bible every year and read through the New Testament several times if I can. But I said to my wife, I said, Honey, let's do something different this year. Let's memorize the book of Philippians. And you might say, Memorize a book in the Bible? Are you crazy? Who could ever do that? Somebody with a photographic mind. Well, I do have a photographic mind, but most of the time it's out of film. But, uh, but I'm, not, I'm not good at memorizing. I am not. But I said, honey, here's all we have to do. If we'd memorize 10 verses a month, at the end of 12 months, we'd be at the end of Philippians. And, you know, we set out to do that, and we would memorize those 10 verses every month. We'd quiz each other. You know, we'd, I'd say, quote these verses to me. And we didn't always... Uh, get it down just right, you know, and if, we, if you held a gun on us today and say, all right, quote the book of Philippians, word for word, I just have to say, shoot. Because I tell you, I couldn't do it. But I'll tell you what, a lot of it stuck. It all didn't stick, but a lot of it did. And uh, we need to go back and refresh our minds. But I love this book of Philippians. And the recipe for peace is right here in chapter number four. If you're looking at that, I was looking at it. But now I'm not. All right, I've come back to it here. Philippians chapter. Well, somebody took it out of my Bible. Here. <clears throat> Philippians chapter number four. <laughs> and you know what? I brought my glasses tonight. I'll tell you, I've got to, I've got to get a, another Bible. I've got to. But I have a Bible here. This is a, it's called a classic note Bible. Every other page in this Bible is blank. And it's for, for taking notes. So I've got this Bible so filled with notes and messages and outlines and illustrations and poems and all that, I can't part with it. But I'm going to have to. Brother Billy, I'm going to have to one of these days, you know, because now, unless the lighting is just very bright, I, I, I need a little help. But let's read here, Proverbs, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. I'm coming back to that now. Be careful for nothing and explain what that word careful means. 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus finally brethren don't leave this verse out now or that verse number seven connected with the peace of God finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise think on these things praise God what a what a passage in the Bible and uh, I don't did I pray yet I don't think I prayed did I I did pray. Well, that was an unforgettable prayer, wasn't it? Anyway, Lord, help us tonight. Help us to digest what is in these verses tonight. And I pray, God, you'd really speak to us. Help us, O oh Lord. Now, the Bible says be careful for nothing. That word careful, you know what it means? Just turn it around. It means full of care. Full of care. Now, today it has a different meaning in our English language. Today, in American language, we say be careful be careful now, and there's nothing at all wrong with saying that. It's just a token of love. I love you. Please take care of yourself and, and be careful out there on the road. There might be a drunk driver out there on the road. might be a, a woman driver out there on the road. Be, be careful. I just want to see if you're awake. All right, just see if you're awake there. But uh, it, it means full of care. It means full of anxiety. Careful. And the Bible says, be careful for nothing. Oh, I got them talking over here, brother. I got them. <laughs> uh, Now, you know what anxiety is? This is out of the Webster's Dictionary. Anxiety is concern respecting some event, future or uncertain, which disturbs the mind and keeps it in a state of painful uneasiness. That's what anxiety is. It's when you're, you're, you're disturbed in your mind because of some worry, because something you think might happen, and you know it's been said and accurately so, most of the things that we fear might happen never happen. I mean, there can be ten troubles coming down the road in our mind, and you know most of the time nine of them are going to get derailed. We might have to deal with one of them, but we worry about those all ten of them. And you know when you're in a, a state of painful uneasiness, uh, that is anxiety, and God says, be careful for nothing. The word worry comes from an old word meaning to choke. To choke. Brother, worry will choke you. It'll choke out your joy. It'll cho choke out uh, your, your uh, a good spirit. It'll just, it'll choke you. Somebody said this, worry is pulling tomorrow's cloud over today's sunshine. You can't enjoy the sunshine today because you're worried about what might happen tomorrow. Did you ever meet anybody like that? You know anybody like that? You married anybody like that? <laughs> Your mom and dad like that? Hey, you know, you can't enjoy it just full of worry. My pastor, my former pastor, Brother Brown, used to say worry it's like paying interest on money that you never borrowed. <laughs> and then somebody came over to America from France. And they, uh, 
They, they watched Americans, and when they left, they said, Americans are so, they're so full of, of care, and they are so full of anxiety that they have invented a chair in which they can move while they sit. The rocking chair. Yeah, we can't even be still. We got to move while we sit. That's what, that's what a, a Frenchman said about us anyway. Now let me preach a little bit about the danger of worry. Did you know worry is dangerous? Worry is dangerous. Do you know worry can put you in the hospital? Do you know worry can put you in the grave? It really can. There's a big danger. A man named John Haggai. This is not the guy that's on television uh, years ago, but... This man wrote a book called How to Win Over Worry. And I read that book. It was in our, our Christian school. And he calls worry public enemy number one. And he said uh, you could find many tombstones in the graveyard that if the truth were told, the epitaph would read, died of worry. A man named Mike Gorman wrote a book called Every Other Bed. This man was... Uh, an executive director of the National Mental Health Committee. Sounds important. I don't know what all they do, but it sounded like he might know what he was talking about. He wrote a book called Every Other Bed, and his point was just about every other bed in a hospital is occupied by somebody who's there, and the root cause is worry and anxiety. It brings about so many other things. Uh, Edward Podolsky, a, a medical doctor, wrote a book called Stop Worrying and Get Well. And in that book, he says worry is connected to heart trouble, high blood pressure, rheumatism, arthritis, headaches, some forms of asthma, many stomach disorders, and of course, ulcers. Ulcers. And at the bottom of it all is this old thing called worry. Now, here's where I get in trouble tonight. And I've enjoyed being with you folks so much. You've been so kind. You go out the door and you, you just encourage us. But uh, tonight, I'll probably make some enemies. And I've been dreading this. But uh, here I come. Worry is sin. Worry is sin. You know, it's the opposite of faith. It is. Worry is the opposite of faith. And when we worry, we're disobeying the Word of God because He tells us not to. He said, be careful, be worried, be anxious for nothing. The Lord said that. So we're disobeying God. And Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, that wonderful message in, in Matthew, uh, in chapter number 6, three different times, He said, take no thought. Take no thought for your life. Take no thought for your raiment, take your, your clothing. Take no thought for your food, what you're going to eat. Talked about the sparrows and how they just fly around carefree, you know. And he said, your heavenly Father feeds them. And he said, look at, look at the lilies in the field. Look how they're clothed. Solomon didn't have clothes as nice as they do. And your heavenly Father takes care of them. I told you the other night about that pear tree that sits up on the hill at my mother-in-law's. And I mean, the pear's just pouring off of that thing. And nobody does anything uh, for it. We just leave it alone. And, but the Heavenly Father's the one that, that makes that fruit come. And he, He's going to take care of us. When I, when I had little children, 
in my home, I didn't want them to worry. I didn't want my children to worry. If, if my children, if one of my children were sitting around wringing his hands and, and or biting his fingernails, and I, I said, what, what's wrong? If he said, well, I'm just, I'm worried. I don't know what we're going to eat tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to wear tomorrow. I don't know. I've got this problem. I don't know how it's going to work out. And if he was worrying, I was upset. I'm his dad. I'm his father. I'm the provider. I didn't want my children to worry. And, and the Heavenly Father, He doesn't want us to worry, my friend. And you know, we're doubting the provision of God. And you don't like to be doubted. You don't like it when somebody doubts your word. You know, our God doesn't want us to doubt His word. Here's what God's promise says. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. That's a promise from God. But the doubting Christian says, well, not all things. Surely he doesn't mean all things work together for good. It doesn't say all things are good. It says all things work together for good. God brings it all together in, in a way that only God Almighty could do it and, and bring something good out of it. And I could stop there and tell you story after story after story of things that my wife and I have encountered that seemed bad. It seemed bad at the time, but somehow God turned that thing inside out and brought something good out of it. <laughs> Praise God. God's promise says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Brother Billy, that was on his tie last night. Amen. My God shall supply all your need, not some of it. Oh, but the doubting child of God says, no, not all, not all of it, not all my needs, surely. And God's promise says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Oh, I love that. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. But, you know, the doubter says, well, it looks like he left me. <laughs> it looks like he left me. You know, you can't always go by your feelings, my friend. And you can't always go by your timetable, by your calendar, by your watch. God doesn't work like that. You've got to look at the big picture and just trust the Lord in the hard times. My wife's got a song, and maybe she'll sing it tomorrow. And it's called, Your Ways Are Higher Than Mine. Anybody heard that song? Have you heard that song? Your Ways Are Higher Than Mine. And here's what it says, I want mountains to move, but you want me to climb. <laughs> Amen. We want the mountains to just move out of our way. And God says, I want you to climb that, that mountain. That's how you'll get strong. That's how you'll build some spiritual muscles by climbing that mountain, trusting in me. And you know, if it's too much for us, God can move the mountain. But a lot of times, by God's grace, we can climb that mountain. We can face what we thought we never could face and, and it'll be good for us God's promise says uh, cast all your care upon him for he careth for you <laughs> amen First Peter 5 7 he careth for you but the old doubting Christian says oh not me <laughs> maybe somebody else but he, he doesn't really care that much about me and you know my friend when you talk like that you're doubting God you're doubting God and Charles Spurgeon said it's a high crime. It's a high crime to accuse our Heavenly Father of not being faithful to His Word. And it is. Worry is sin. You know, we're, we're defiling the temple of God. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 
What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? A a few years ago, somebody broke into our church. We found out who it was. It was some young, disgruntled teenage boys who used to go to the church. And they got it in for the church and the pastor. And they broke into the church and they defiled the church. Oh, they did awful things. They got into the pastor's office and took some of his books down and just threw them on the floor and even poured something over them to ruin those books. And, you know, it was an awful thing to go in and and see what these agents of the devil that that night had done in the house of the Lord. And anybody would be shocked by that. But my friend... This body is the temple of God, amen? Our body is the temple of God, and, and when we defile it, I think everybody here knows smoking is wrong. It seemed like even today the unbelievers out there, they know smoking is wrong. They're, they ban smoking from most places now. I'm waiting for them to ban alcohol, aren't you? They're not going to do that. No, too many of them like that too much. But uh, you know what? Smoking will tear up your body. It'll tear up your lungs. Alcohol will tear up your body. Cirrhosis of the liver. What does it do to your liver? What does it do to your your brain? And even the world knows that. But worry. What does worry do? (laughs) Well, heart trouble, high blood pressure, rheumatism, arthritis, headaches, some forms of asthma. And that's not saying that everybody that has these these maladies, you know, that's the, the root problem there. But... It can cause all of these things. And so I think worry is sin. And worry is a bad testimony. It's a bad testimony. We're the light of the world. We're the only light this world's got. And this world ought to be able to look at us and see the joy of the Lord and the peace of God in us. And if we're going around worried all the time, what a bad testimony it is for the Lord, if my children went, went to the Christian school, we homeschooled them in their later years, but, but uh, we had, had them in the Christian school. Boy, if they went to the school and, and they were just walking around the school all down and out and, and uh, looking like they'd lost their best friend and, and telling their friends and their teachers that they were all worried about what was going to happen at the house, worried about what their future was, well, that would have been a bad testimony to me as their daddy, as their provider. But what about us when we go around and, and we've got that long face like a Missouri mule? <laughs> we, got that, we got that sour disposition. We're, we're, we don't have a good word. What, a, what kind of a testimony is that for our Father in heaven? My friend, we need deliverance from worry. We just do. I, I thought of this illustration today. As a matter of fact, I prayed. I said, Lord, what would be a great illustration for this? And I, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 4. And I'll come to that in, in just a moment in this illustration. I heard a man tell this at a camp meeting one time. We were in Georgia, Rossville, Georgia. And this man got up and preached a great message. And he told this story, absolutely true story. He said about a young couple that went into the hospital to have their first baby. And everything seemed to go good with the delivery and all of that. But then the doctor came in in a day or two 
and announced that the baby had Down syndrome. And it broke the heart of those parents, and, and the little mother just cried and cried. And the young father, he went to counsel with a pastor. His heart was broken, and he wanted to know how to comfort his wife. And he had a very wise pastor, and he went and sat down and, and told him about this, the little baby with Down syndrome now. And that wise pastor took him to Exodus chapter 4. And he showed him in Exodus chapter 4 and verse number 10 where Moses was talking to the Lord trying to get out of the job God wanted him to do, trying to get out of, of leading the Israelites from their captivity, trying to talk God out of it. And Moses said unto the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb? Or deaf? Well, i got to get out my glasses again. He said, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb? Or deaf? Or the seeing? Or the blind? Have not I the Lord? You know, sometimes we, when, when, when these babies are born and there's, there's a defect, you know, sometimes people want to blame God and sometimes people want to say, well, that, that shouldn't have happened. And, and I know there's some things, you know, that I, I sure wouldn't have any answers for. But, but that wise pastor took that young man to that, that young daddy to that verse. And he went back to his wife and he showed his wife in the hospital that verse and the peace of God just came upon them that little baby was sent from God that little baby and my, my friend I have met Down syndrome adults who were a great blessing <laughs> they were a great blessing and I've met them and I've met others you know that have uh, by the way there's a guy out there named Nick and I can't pronounce his last name but he has no arms and no legs. And that guy is traveling the world, lecturing, speaking to young people especially, and, and, and giving his testimony. He loves the Lord. He lives a life with no arms and no legs. And yet he speaks to these young people, and they're getting saved, and they're getting right with God, and they're, they're stopping, they're complaining, and... It's an amazing thing, God's grace. He shared it with his little wife, and she, she accepted that, and, and the peace of God came. And, you know, as the nurses and the doctors would go into that room, they'd see that little couple there holding that baby, and they had a smile on their face, and the peace of God was in that room. And, you know, when they left the hospital, and their fir first Sunday back in their church, they looked out and there were nurses and doctors from that hospital who had come to that church. They saw the grace of God. They saw the peace of God. Their peace was a great testimony for Jesus. And the doctors and the nurses showed up. Some of them got saved. Some of them, no doubt, said, I need what they've got. 
How long has it been, my friend, since somebody looked at you and said, you know what, I wish I had what, what he's got. I wish I had what she's got. I heard a man preach a message, Brother Jerry, and he made one statement, and it almost blew me backward. <laughs> he was preaching about Elijah and Elisha. And he said, uh, you know, when it came time for Elijah to go home to heaven, and that he said to Elisha, ask what you will. What's your last request of me? And Elisha looked at him and said, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want a double portion of thy spirit. And this preacher, he pointed out, he did not say, I want a double portion of the Holy Spirit. He said, I want a double portion of your spirit, Elijah. I want what you've got. And that man, that, that preacher, he just looked out at us and, and he said, does anybody, does anybody want to be like you? Does anybody want to be like you? What a statement. Elisha, he wanted what Elijah had. And he got it. <laughs> he got it. Well, we need to be delivered from worry. And number one, it's the fruit of the Spirit. All we've got to do is get filled with the Holy Spirit of God and the peace will flow out of us. And just like somebody testified tonight, just get rid of the junk, just get things out of our life that should not be there and pray that prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And Lord, show me what I look like. I pray that every now and then. I said, Lord, I don't see myself the way you see me. But I want you to show me what I look like in your eyes. And, and sometimes when he does, it's painful. It's painful. But it's needful. We need to pray that. You know, the Bible says, I mean, here it is in Philippians. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. With prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. Tell the Lord what you need. Tell the Lord what you want. Let your request be made known. Brother Sousley and I were talking. I can't find in the Bible. I know some people take an Old Testament verse and I think they twist it like a pretzel to try to make it say what they want it to say. And they've got this doctrine of you just name it and claim it. Whatever you want, you tell God what you want. You, you demand it of God. I can't find that in the Word of God. He's God Almighty. And I'll tell you, my friend, there are some prayers, there are some prayers we better thank God we did not get answered. Thank God for unanswered prayers. I prayed some, and my wife has one big one that she prayed, and she's glad that God did not answer that prayer. Brother, you don't demand of God, but the Bible says here, let your requests be made known unto God. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. Ask, and it shall be given. Pray. Don't worry, pray. Some people say, why pray if I can worry? But the Bible says, don't worry, pray. Let your requests be made known unto God. Pray about everything. Pray about the big things. Pray about the little things. You know, I'm getting older. And uh, as you can tell, my eyesight is fading. Either that or this Bible shrinking. But uh, I'm getting older. My memory's not, not exactly what it used to be. 
I can't remember all that I, that I used to be able to remember. My mind used to be like a sponge and just soak up everything, but it's not quite like that now. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll misplace something, and I don't know where it is. My keys, I lose my comb, my, my pocket comb, I use, uh, and my pocket knife. I, I lose those a lot, and I'll go to my wife. My wife's tired of hearing it. Have you seen my comb? Have you seen my knife? And, uh, yes, I carry a knife. I'm armed. I just wanted to let you know that. I'm from Kentucky, all right? But, you know, I, I, I had this idea the other day. I, I prayed, dear Lord, I don't know where that is, but you're looking right at it. Wherever it is, you're looking at it right now. And I'm telling you, most of the time, I, I just say, you're looking at it. Let my eyes look at it. And most of the time, he will. <laughs> he will. He'll let me find that. And I thank God. Pray about everything. And then leave it with God. Trust God. Trust God. We sang a song for Brother Keith and Miss Nita today called In God's Hands. And that song says, In God's hands, I'm in good hands. My soul is safe and secure. There's a, there's a verse in that song that says, When I've done the very best I can, it's time to leave it in God's hands. Amen. Just leave it in His hands. And don't take it back out again. We're masters. We're experts. And we say, I put it in God's hands. Then we go back and take it back out so we can worry about it. Try to figure it out ourselves, my friend. Leave it with the Lord. I know, easier said than done. I know it, I know it, I know it. But it can be done because God tells us to do it. God tells us to trust in Him with all of our heart. Lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge Him. He'll direct our paths. And so take it to God in prayer. Pray about it. You know, we need to confess the sin of worry. Confess it. If it is a sin, I believe it is. I hope I helped you to see that tonight. Worry is a sin. 1 John 1, 9 still says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Proverbs says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So confess it to the Lord. Pray about everything. Be thankful for anything. Be thankful for anything that God brings your way. That's what it says. It says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus that word keep means guard to keep your hearts and mind means to guard your heart and so be thankful in everything give thanks be thankful to God thank him for everything cultivate a thankful heart I believe God loves it how many verses does he say be ye thankful. How many times does he command us in Psalms to, to be ye thankful? Praise the Lord. That's a command. <laughs> we need to learn how to praise God. And we need to learn how to think on the, on the right things. I want to say to you tonight, I think one of the worst things that ever happened in our country is the Internet. I think it is. And I think one of the worst things that ever happened is how America has become news crazy. 
today. We have. I can remember, I'm old enough to remember Walter Cronkite. Nobody here is that old, I know. You wouldn't remember Walter Cronkite, but I, I remember. And he would come on for a half an hour, a half an hour at night and give us the, the world news and that was it. And then people would go back to Andy Griffith, Gunsmoke, whatever it was, you know, but they'd have their half an hour of, of bad news, maybe some of it good, and now it's all day long. Hey, I don't minimize this hurricane. I don't min I've got a brother in Jacksonville, and he made it through fine. He's, he's fine. And I don't minimize the hurricane, but do we have to hear about it and see pictures of it day and night and day and night? I don't think God made us for that. I don't. He said, bear you one another's burdens, but there's got to be a limit. And with the Internet, you know, and, and Facebook, and I'm not going to hear, throw, I've already got some of you mad at me about worrying, but, but I'm telling you, Facebook, if you're not careful, you'll get so caught up with everybody in the world and all their problems that you won't know what to do. You'll lose your joy. You'll lose your peace. And, and you better be careful about that. Make sure you're spending more time in the Word of God than on social media or in movies, in front of a computer, on Facebook, whatever it might be. Make sure you're spending a good amount of time in this book right here. Amen. Great peace have they which love thy law. <laughs> and God says, think on things that are true and honest and just and things that are pure Things that are lovely. That's not the news today. That's not what's on the news today. Whatsoever things are of good report. Probably if there's any verse in the Bible that is being disobeyed more than this one, I'd like to know what it is. God's people are guilty of this. We're not thinking on things that are true. We're not, and you've got to do it on purpose. And you know what? You might just have to get something out of your life. I did. I did. My wife and I got married, and my big brother gave us a TV. And uh, we went to our living room, and we turned that thing on. And some guy came out on the, on the screen and cussed us right there in our own living room. And so we gave it another shot, and some guy cussed us. I looked at my wife. I said, you know what? I don't think we need this in our house. And we, we took that thing to a dump and, and put it out there, and and you might say, what in the world? Are you from another planet? Are you real? Are you human? Hey, my friend, you know what we did? Instead of all of us sitting around being glued to a screen, we played games together. We sang together. We ate our meals together. We talked. We'd just sit around and talk. We'd have Bible reading at night. But before we get to our Bible reading, everybody would be telling about what, what, what happened during the day. And we'd talk and talk and laugh and talk. And finally, I'd say, hey, we need to read our Bible and pray now. And that's how we'd finish out our day. We knew each other. We loved each other. We spent time with each other. Instead of just sitting there in front of a screen, some communication all families have is, get out of the way. I can't see and I'm not condemning you if you have a TV tonight. I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying it wasn't for me. <laughs> I, I'm too easily addicted to that thing. I, watch, I, I would watch it way too much. And you might need to get something out of your life and just say, Lord, what, what is it? 
I remember one time I, we ordered, we, we don't have a TV, but we do have a little screen. <laughs> My kids call it the postage stamp theater. It's about, just about that big. And we'll watch Andy Griffith, Little House on the Prairie, something like that. You can't watch all the Andys. Don't watch the fun girls. Don't watch the fun girls if you're a man. But anyway, uh, you know, we'll watch something once in a while. And I, we ordered Daniel Boone. <laughs> and Daniel Boone was a man. You know that one. And I enjoyed that so much with his coonskin cap and, and all that and Mingo and, and all of that. But I began to notice, I don't know if it's like this in real life, but old Daniel, he went into the tavern a lot. And he went in there, you know, a lot. And I got convicted of that. I got convicted. What am I doing sitting here watching a man drink alcohol? I'm against drinking alcohol. I don't think anybody ought to do that. And I had to get rid of that. I had to get that out of my life. Now you think, I, I know he's a fanatic now. I know he's crazy. He won't watch Daniel Boone. But... Uh, you know, when I brought my kids up, if, if we watched anything, I, I just made it a rule. If the hero, if the, the person that's supposed to be the hero, you know, if they, if they drink, we're not watching it. <laughs> and, of course, watch nothing with bad words in it, nothing, nothing with any uh, profanity in it. Well, I want us to bow our heads tonight and just be honest with ourselves. Could I ask you tonight, do you have peace? Do you have the peace of God that passeth all understanding? Can you lay down on your night, on your bed at night and, and go to sleep in peace? Do you have peace in your home? Is there peace in your marriage? Is there peace in, in, with your children? Does, does the world, the people you work with, the people, your neighbors, people you do business with, do they see in you a peace? that's uncommon in this world, a peace, the peace of God that passeth all understanding. You know, they ought to see love. They ought to see joy. They ought to see peace and long-suffering. They ought to see gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance in our lives. Somebody wrote a song and said, You're the only Jesus some will ever see. You're the only words of life that some will ever read. So let them see in you the one who's truly all they'll ever need. You're the only Jesus some will ever see. Lord, I pray tonight you'd take this message. I don't have a doubt, Lord, some people in this room probably didn't really need this very much. They, they're not worriers. They're not full of anxiety. They do trust you. They do have the peace of God and thank God for them. But, Lord, I'm sure that's not the case with everybody in this room. And, Lord, I pray tonight that people would realize that worry is not pleasing to you. And it's bad for our bodies. It's bad for our health, our minds. It's a bad testimony to this world, worry. And I pray, God, that we might get deliverance from it and that we might have the peace of God. Lord, help those tonight who may have something hidden away in their life. And maybe nobody knows about it. It may be some secret sin. And I think, Lord, today we have more secret sin in our society today than we've ever had because there are so many different 
secret ways that people can get to ungodly things that they never had in years gone by. But Lord, I pray tonight for anybody that has something in their life that is not right, not pleasing to God, I pray they'd hit the altar tonight and just get right with God and leave here with the joy and the peace of God bubbling in their soul. Help us now, Lord. And if anybody here is not saved, please, may this be the night they'd get saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.